Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. I say today, as you heard earlier, we do have a guest speaker, Mr. Dan Mears. Um, and the, the great thing is he gets to bring joy to people on a weekly basis doing something very similar. Um, but don't take it from me. Why don't we watch this video and get a little better introduced to Dan? Well, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you know the best thing about that video you got to see? I get paid to do that. Isn't that amazing? So, well, hey, I always like to start off with the big news. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift like each other. I don't know if you heard that here in Arkansas. Yeah, it's all we talk about up in Kansas City. We don't talk about football anymore. We just talk about the relationship, okay? But, uh, you know, the other big news... My team won the Super Bowl this year. You guys are Chiefs fans. Anybody not a Chiefs fan? I just got to know who to pray for this morning. Okay, thank you. I, I see that hand. I see that hand. So, but, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd start today by showing you a couple pictures from the Super Bowl. Uh, this is right after the game down on the field. Here's another picture. As you can see, they shoot off a little bit of confetti if you win the Super Bowl. I don't know if you knew that, but... You know, I've had a lot of fun working for the Chiefs. I've been there for 34 years, but um, actually uh, 29 years, never got to go to a Super Bowl. And then and things changed a little bit in Kansas City. So here's last year's Super Bowl. That's me on my couch at home. Didn't get to go thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals. But I did bring a couple pictures from Super Bowl 55, the COVID Super Bowl. This is me and the Buccaneers mascot in front of the stadium before the game. Here's a picture of me inside the stadium before kickoff. If you look up on the scoreboard, Tom Brady photobombed me. Okay. 
He retired. Hope he stays that way this time. And then here's, here's picture me after Super Bowl 55. That one didn't go the way we wanted it to, but that's okay because I also happened to have a couple pictures from Super Bowl 54, which turned out a lot better. Uh, this is right after the game. I was on the field celebrating. Some guy walked up. He's like, Wolf, you want your picture with a Super Bowl trophy? And I'm like, heck yes, I want my picture with a Super Bowl trophy. Uh, there's a picture of me and the 49ers mascot hanging out on Miami Beach together. And then my other favorite picture is this one. I got to lead the Chiefs onto the field before the Super Bowl. And I tell folks, I love that photo, but honestly, don't be too impressed by that because the only person I outran on Super Bowl Sunday was Andy Reid, our head coach. And Andy, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Andy or if you know him. He's a great guy, great coach. He's not very quick, to be honest with you. So, But it is good to be with you. As you said, my name is Dan Mears. I live from... I'm live back in Kansas City. Back in Kansas City, I'm kind of known as the guy that's got a strange occupation, okay? I'm a mascot. Now, when you're a mascot, there's uh, three questions people love to ask. Number one, and this is always how they say it too, is that your real job? Yeah, that's my real job, believe it or not. Uh, Number two, is it hot in the costume? Yes, it is. If you, if you got up close to Casey Wolf at Trunk or Treat last night, you'll know it's hot in the costume, okay? Mascots, you know this. We all use the same cologne. It's called Fur Breeze. You can get it at Walmart, okay? But we use a lot of that stuff. And then the other question, the one I get the most, how did you get that job? You know, how did you become a mascot? Well, I got my start back in college. I dressed in a tiger suit at the University of Missouri. I did that for four years, and then I graduated, which made my parents really happy because you, you know this, all the smart students graduate magna cum laude. I graduated thank the laude, okay? So, so I graduate. Mom and dad are both excited, and they're like, son, we're proud of you, but you got to get a job. So if, you know, first job I got after four years of college, went out, I got my first job working in professional baseball. I dressed up in a bird suit for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, yeah, check out the bird legs on that bird right there, okay? Now, if you're a Cardinals fan, Cardinals mascot is a character called Fred Bird. If you look at that photo, you can tell the guy that was Fred Bird before me was a short guy. I'm pretty tall. That meant his feathers covered up a lot more than my feathers covered up in the bird suit. (laughs) So I'm running around St. Louis in a bird outfit. I get a call from the Chiefs. They wanted to know if I'd be this guy, Casey Wolf. And I thought, you know, I bet I'll look a lot better going to work each day in gray fur than yellow tights, right? (laughs) And plus, if you know in baseball, they play 81 home games in the summer. Professional football, we play 10 during the fall and the winter. Now, I might not be the brightest guy around, but I knew that was a good switch to make to the NFL. So I came to Kansas City, and I've been with the Chiefs. Like I said, this is my 34th season with the Chiefs, which that's longer than a lot of you have been alive, it looks like. (laughs) And everybody else is thinking that's a long time to avoid a real job, too. I know, but, but you know, I love what I do. People always ask, what's the best thing about being a mascot? Well, number one, I get paid that goofy, which is nice. Used to get in trouble for that in school, not get a paycheck for it. So there's hope for some of your kids and grandkids, okay? 
Uh, number two, I tell folks, I get to go to work each day in a suit and a tail instead of a suit with a tie, okay? So I don't have to get too dressed up. Number three, I get to meet all the Chiefs players, get to know those guys, which is kind of interesting. And number four, I get to hug all the Chiefs cheerleaders too, even though I, yeah, I, I don't do that near as much because about 30 years ago, this wolf got married to a fox and the fox does not like me hugging cheerleaders any longer. And I was going to bring my wife with me, but she was busy this weekend. So I did bring a picture of her. There she is. That's my, that's my trophy wife right there. You can, you can tell we've been married a while. We're starting to look alike after 30 years together. But uh, here's, here's another picture of my family. That's all of us together right there. They all kind of look alike. We had big nose, big ears in my family. And then here's us out of costume. My wife's in the red sweater. I've got three great kids. My oldest daughter, the one in the green jacket, she graduated from college, uh, what, four years ago now. Oh, I was all excited. I thought I finally got one of them off my payroll. And then she fell in love, got engaged. Guess who paid for a wedding last year? So... I look broke. I am still. Uh, my son, he got married three years ago. He is now in med school at the University of Missouri, which I, I find that kind of funny. His dad is a mascot. He's going to be a doctor. So I thought, <laughs> I thought there was a gene thing that was supposed to get passed, but that either skipped a generation or came from his mom. And then my youngest daughter, the one in the white sweater, she's the athlete in the family. Uh, she actually plays college volleyball. She's at University of North Carolina out in Greensboro. But I love being a dad. All three of my kids got to bring me in for show and tell back in kindergarten. <laughs> kind of cool. And I even got to go trick-or-treat with them, too, about 18 years ago. And, of course, I went as the wolf. My kids were the three little pigs that year. Oh, yeah. So, but, so I, I tell people, being a dad, that is the greatest job in the world. I love it. But now my kids are all older. They're off at college. They're getting married. So my wife and I, we're now empty nesters. And we're like, well, what do empty nesters do? So you know what we did? We sold our house, and then we bought a house on a lake. And I never dreamed how much fun a mascot could have on a lake. And you know, and my kids are like, Dad, why didn't you buy a house on a lake when we lived with you? And I'm like, well, main reason, you were too expensive. And so, but, but now my wife calls me the lake rat. But this summer, I've been tubing, and I'm actually getting pretty good at water skiing in a costume. And by the way, you look at that picture up there, it doesn't look like I've got a life jacket. Well, that's because I can't get a life jacket over my costume. But under my outfit, under all the fur, I got two life jackets on because, listen, that suit gets really heavy when he's wet. And I tell folks, I love Jesus, but that is not how I want to go to meet him is in a costume water skiing, okay? But, but every now and then I'll take the wave runner out. But I tell folks, what gets our neighbor's attention more than anything else that we do at the lake is when we take our whole family out on the pontoon together. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and honestly, I'm not sure if that is against our homeowner policy or not, but we don't care. We're having fun right now. You know, you notice that, that pontoon rides a little bit low on the backside when we get the whole family in there together. But, 
But you know, I, I love what I do. Being a mascot, I tell you, it is just so much fun. But I once read this, that if you ask a man his occupation, all you're going to do is you're going to find out how he pays his bills, right? But if you ask a man his preoccupation, then you're going to discover the passion of his life. Well, my occupation's mascot. I pay my bills running around in this costume. It's not rocket science, trust me. But my preoccupation, what I am truly passionate about in life, for me it is simply three things. Number one is my faith. Number two is my family. And number three is just using my life to make a positive impact for Jesus Christ in this world that I live in. You know, um, In the back of my Bible, I've got a quote, and the quote says this. It says, God did not put us on this earth to make a living. He put us here to make an impact. And I believe that, that as as Christ followers, we are called to be difference makers. We are called to be salt and light in this world that we live in. And, you know, as I was thinking about what to share this morning, I thought about a quote that's on my desk at Arrowhead Stadium. The quote says this. It says, your life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you wish, but you are only going to spend it one time, so spend it wisely. And you know, I love that quote because that quote reminds me every day that I get to make choices, right? Every day I get to choose how I'm going to live this life. You know, again today, I get to decide how I'm going to spend my coin. And you know, how we choose to spend our coin each day, I tell this to my kids all the time, those choices are just so important because the choices you make in life uh, are what's writing out your life story. And when you think about it, all of us here this morning, we're all writing a life story. Every day is just one more sentence. And I once read that since you're the author of your story, ultimately, I believe that God is the author of our stories, but we're kind of co-authors in this deal, right? But since you're one of the co-authors, you get to decide each day whether the sentence you write is going to end with a period, a question mark, or an exclamation point. And, you know, as a follower of Christ, I've always tried to teach this to my kids, do your best to live every day you get so that it ends with an exclamation point. And, you know, in the short time that I do have with you this morning, they asked me to come in and share just a little bit of my own life story. Now, if I was going to be perfectly honest, I would tell you the chapter of my story that I'm going to share this morning, in many ways, it's my least favorite because it has been the most difficult. It's been by far the most painful. But the reason I share it is in other ways, I see it as one of the great chapters of my life story because through this chapter, I've learned some incredibly valuable life lessons. But the chapter I'm going to share with you, it begins on November the 23rd of 2013. I tell folks that I'll always remember the day because on that day, I literally came within inches of losing my life. Now, thankfully, instead of losing my life, I spent nine days in a hospital and I got some big scars. And I had a guy tell me once, scars are just tattoos that come with a cool story, right? Well, today... Um, I'm not going to show you my scars. If I do that, I will never get invited back to Grace Point. Trust me. So (laughs) promise not to show off my scars. But I do want to share just a little bit of my story. But the 
question that I have been asked hundreds and hundreds of times over the past, it's been almost, what, almost 10 years now, is what happened to you? You know, how did you get hurt? And if you're a Chiefs fan, some of you might know this. Best way for me to answer that question is by telling you that Casey Wolf, he got to go for his very first bungee jump, and let's just say things did not turn out good for me, okay? You see, I'm not only an NFL mascot, I'm also a failed bungee jump survivor, not, not a lot of guys get to say that, okay? That's kind of a small niche I've created for myself at this point in my life. But this morning, I'm going to share with you what happened to me. But more importantly, I want to share with you all the greatest lessons that God has taught me since that day. But November the 23rd, 2013 was a Saturday. I woke up bright and early that morning. I drove to a little town up in northern Missouri called Chillicothe, okay, great little community up there for their holiday parade. So Casey Wolf's in the parade, Santa Claus is in this parade, a whole bunch of horses are in this parade, okay, and every, every horse in Chillicothe had eaten a whole bunch of fiber the day before that parade too, I found out as I tried to walk down Main Street. But once I get done with the parade, I get back in my car, drive back to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, where we were where I was going to perform a stunt that I was going to actually going to perform. We were going to practice it because I was going to perform it the next day at the Chiefs game. We were going to play the San Diego Chargers, or now the L.A. Chargers, and I was going to bungee jump and zip line into our stadium. Now, how that works, we hire a company that comes in, okay? This, the company comes in, they set up a zip line. The zip line attaches to the lights at the top of our stadium, stretches all the way across the football field to the lights on the other side of Arrowhead Stadium, and then they attach a bungee cord to that zip line, okay? Sounds perfectly safe, right? Yeah, that's what, that's what my wife said too. Now, I'm going to show you a short video. Don't get nervous. This is not me getting hurt, okay? But this is going to give you an idea of what I was doing on the day I did get hurt. Now, best part of the video, uh, at the end, you'll get to see what it looks like 260 feet above the football field at Arrowhead Stadium. Doesn't that look like fun? So, <laughs> I, love, I love watching your faces, by the way. There's always, there's always a couple out there smiling, thinking, that looks kind of exciting. And then there's always a whole lot of folks just shaking their head, thinking, that guy's an idiot, right? <laughs> but the plan is for me to dress up in my suit. I'm supposed to jump out of the lights at the top of the stadium. That day I was supposed to fall for about 20 feet. The bungee cord was supposed to catch me, bounce me back into the air. And then I was going to zip line out over the field like you just watched. So supposed to be the greatest mascot entrance ever. 
Well, unfortunately, that day things did not go as planned because when I jumped out of the lights, because of the slack that they still had in the zip line, instead of falling 20 feet, I fell approximately 70 to 75 feet, and I hit the seats in the upper level of our stadium. I hit the seats so hard, it knocked two seats out of the concrete. So if you yeah, you ever go to Arrowhead, swing by section 324, row 32, seats 22 and 23, those look a little bit newer. That's me, okay? But, but after I hit, I still remember this. I guess my body went into shock. I was just shaking. I mean, my whole body was shaking. I couldn't stop. I was really struggling to breathe. And I'll be honest, at that point, I was scared. I just wanted to get down. Well, unfortunately, if your bungee cord is attached to a zip line, okay, there's no way to get down halfway through the ride, okay? This is like a roller coaster. So you go to a theme park, you get on a roller coaster, you're not going to get off the roller coaster until the ride comes to a stop. Well, the same was true for me. I jump out of the lights, I fall, I hit the seats. At that point, the bungee cord yanked me back into the air, and then I start to zip line out over the field like you just watched on this video. Now, I'd, I wish you had time this morning to share all the details of what happened that day and how I can look back on this. And trust me, I've thought about this so many times since it's happened to me. But the fact that I'm still here, okay, the fact that I'm alive, I get to come eat candy with you nice folks last night and share my story today makes me extremely grateful, okay? And I'll warn you today, sometimes in life when you're extremely grateful for something like the fact that you're still alive, you know what'll happen? Sometimes that'll make your eyes water. Okay, that's a good thing because somebody told me once, if your eyes don't water, your head will swell. Think about that. So you see my eyes water it so don't get a big head like some of the players I work with. You, you didn't hear that. But, uh, but I got to make a long story shorter. So I tell you, I got to do something that day that was never on my bucket list. I got to ride really fast in the back of an ambulance. Okay, took me straight to the hospital. As soon as I get there, there's all these doctors and nurses, and they wheel me in. They start doing CAT scans and x-rays, and they're checking me out head to toe and inside out. And here's what they discovered. They found I'd broken seven ribs on my left side, and I'd also collapsed my left lung. That's why I was struggling to breathe, as my left lung had collapsed. I don't know if you've ever collapsed a lung, how they fix that. They give you a chest tube, and I don't know if you've had one. Don't put those on your bucket list, okay? Because what I do remember, I remember a doctor looked at me and said, Mr. Mears, it is just a small little tube we're going to insert into your chest cavity. And he said, and I quote, you might feel a little bit of pressure. Oh, well, apparently that guy had never had a chest tube in his life because it is a lot more than a little pressure going in and coming out. But... But not only had I broken the seven ribs, collapsed my left lung, they also found I shattered my tailbone. I cracked my sacrum, the bone your tailbone attaches to. Got a big gash here on the back of my left leg that required stitches. And then I got several units of blood because I'd lost a lot of blood after hitting the seats. But then my worst injury, they discovered I broke the T12 vertebrae in my back. And the next day I had surgery. They gave me these new titanium rods. That's a picture of what my back looks like now. Now those rods are what stabilize that part of my spine. And then they were also nice enough to get me eight of these. Now, I don't, I don't know if you can see these where you're sitting, but uh, you can see them in the x-rays. These are, these are the screws that hold my rods in place back there. Now, if you look close at that, that looks like something you could pick up over at the local hardware store. Apparently, these are a little more expensive than the ones they're selling at the hardware store currently. But 
Here's what I remember most, though, about that night of November the 23rd of 2013. Here's a picture of what I look like, and you probably think you don't look very good. Well, I didn't feel very good that night either. But here's what I remember most. The doctor walked into this hospital room. He told me all of my injuries, explained I was going to have surgery on my back the next day. He's walking out of the room. He got to the door. He turned around, and he looked at me, and I'll never forget his words. He said, Mr. Mears, he said, I hope you realize tonight you are a very very, very lucky man. He said, if you fell 75 feet, he said, number one, you're lucky to still be alive. And he said, number two, you are very lucky that you're not paralyzed right now. And, you know, that night in that hospital, I tell you, I thought a lot about what that doctor said. You know, I, I thought about my life. You know what I thought a whole lot about that night is how I was choosing to spend my coin each and every day. And today I want to share with you what I consider Some of the greatest lessons that God has taught me since that night in the hospital. And I'll tell you, these are lessons that I want to to live my life by from here on out. Number one is, and let me start by saying this, you guys, I don't believe that I'm lucky to be alive, okay? I do believe I am blessed. You see, I don't believe in luck. I don't believe that what happened to me was an accident, okay? In the back of my Bible, I've got another quote, and it says this, there is no such thing as accidents. They're all just incidents incidents in God's perfect plan for my life. And that's what I do believe. You see, I've got a friend who says it this way. There is one word that is not in God's vocabulary, and that's the word oops. Okay. God was not in heaven that day going, oops, I didn't know he was going to fall that far today. No, God knew that was going to happen. Now, listen, does that mean God doesn't love me because he allowed something painful to happen in my life? That's not what that means at all. You see, listen, I know God loves me. There's no doubt in my mind that he loves me. I read it again this morning at the hotel across the street here. But listen, I know he loves me. You know what else I know? I know he loves me way too much to allow needless pain in my life. And so even though I didn't like the pain, trust me, I didn't like it at all. I knew God must have a purpose behind this pain or he would have never allowed it into my life. And you know, that's one of the big lessons he taught me through this time is that sometimes God will allow us to go through painful things, challenging situations, you know. And we always seem to look at that as something negative, when in reality, God can use those times in your life to uh, teach you some incredibly valuable lessons if you'll allow him to do that. And, you know, one of the big lessons he taught me during this time, and this is something my mom tried to tell me in high school at the time. I didn't think she was that smart. And then come to find out a few years later, she was a lot smarter than I gave her credit for. But I remember my mom used to always tell me and my two brothers that the most important things in this life are not things. The most important things in life are relationships. And come to find out, my mom's pretty smart gal because as I spent nine days laying in a hospital bed, listen, not one time did I think about how big my house was. Not once did I think about how nice my car was or whether I had the latest smartphone or not. You know, not once did I think about whether I had the latest fashion clothes either. As a matter of fact, for nine days, I wore that same outfit, okay? And it wasn't fashionable. It was well ventilated, I will say that. You ever seen those hospital gowns? You ever got to wear one? You know, you know what they say about wearing a hospital gown? It's kind of like owning a bad health insurance policy. You only think you're fully covered. 
right? A lot of truth to that. But, so you spend nine days in a hospital bed. You get a lot of time just to lay and think. And it was during those nine days, I was just reminded over and over again that the most meaningful things in my life, it's not my things. It's not my stuff. You know what helped me get through nine days in a hospital and then six months of very painful therapy and rehab just day after day after day? Three things, my faith, my family, my friends. And guess what? All three of those things are relationships. My faith, that is my relationship with Jesus Christ, the most important relationship in my life. And, and let me just say this, you guys, my goal as a man, as a mascot, as a man, every day of my life, it never changes, okay? My goal is the same every single day. Get up, go out, love other people. Not judge other people, that's easy to do. Go out, love other people. That's not easy to do because how many of you know this? Some people in the world are hard to love. Okay? Don't act like you don't have those people in Arkansas. And if you don't, come back to Kansas City. I'll introduce you to a few, okay? But love them anyway because, listen, one of these days when my life story is complete, you know when people are sitting at my funeral, I could care less if they know I was in the Mascot Hall of Fame or not. You didn't even know there was a mascot Hall of Fame, did you? Yeah, nobody does, guys. I, I could care less if I know how many years I spent as a mascot for the Chiefs or how many Super Bowls I've gone to. By the way, did I mention we had won the Super Bowl? <laughs> Brought my Super Bowl ring along. It's a, this, this is actually KC Wolf's Super Bowl ring. So when I got my Super Bowl ring, we took a bunch of pictures of it. We sent it off to a 3D printer, and this is what came back. So if you, if you wonder what the Super Bowl 54 ring, the 49ers game, that Eagles ring is currently at the 3D printer right now. But uh, if you wonder what the Super Bowl 54 ring looks like, it looks identical to this crazy thing. And I'll tell you a really quick funny story. When I brought my Super Bowl ring home for the very first time from the stadium, all three of my kids were there that day. And my kids are like, Dad, that thing is really cool. Because if, you, if you've ever got to see one of the real Super Bowl rings, listen, they're big, they're gaudy, and they're cool, okay? And my kids are like, Dad, you have got to keep doing that job until you get three of those, or we're all going to fight over that when you die someday. <laughs> And I, I told him, I'm like, you guys fight over it. I'll give it to your mom's next husband. That'll teach all three of you. And so, but, but you know, hey, uh, I'm off on a rabbit trail right now. But listen, that's my faith, you guys. On the day I pass, you know, at my funeral, you know, l- listen, I don't want to be remembered just for what I did. How I hope to be remembered on that day is for who I was. And if the only thing people ever say about my life is that I love the Lord and I love people, I'm good with that, okay? That's how I, that's how I want to be remembered someday. But that's my faith. Secondly, is my family, my wife, my kids, my parents, my in-laws. I just blessed to have a great family to support me through those difficult times. And then Finally, my friends, friends from my neighborhood, my church, my coworkers, just so many great people that were there to support me during those difficult times. And let me challenge you this morning. Hey, as you decide how to spend your coin each day, I challenge you to make relationships a priority because if you're going through a difficult time in life, and a lot of people still are, listen, it's your relationships, that's what gets you through the difficult times. And even if you're not going through a difficult time, if you're here this morning and everything's good your world. And I hope it is. Here's what I've discovered. On the good days and the not so good days, it's my relationships. You know, number one, my relationship with Christ and then all those other relationships. That's what gives my life meaning and purpose. You know, and never forget this little piece of mascot wisdom. It's the banana that gets separated from the bunch. That's the first one that gets eaten. 
That's deep, isn't it? Yeah. Don't think too hard about that right now. Okay. That's, that just means life's a team sport. We need each other. That's why church attendance is so important. So, hey, let me share with you what I consider the greatest lesson I learned from this whole experience. And I learned this in January of 2014. I'm on my way to, no, let me back this up. Oh, Oh, sure. The greatest lesson I learned happened that very first night right there in that hospital. Okay. Um, even though they're giving me these really strong painkillers, my back, my tailbone, my ribs, it was just all incredibly painful. And I couldn't sleep because I could not get comfortable. Okay. And besides that, they were getting, I was getting ready for surgery the next morning on my back. So they don't let you eat or drink anything. So in, some of you have experienced this. I'd go to lick my chapped lips. My tongue was completely dry. Okay. Just a miserable experience. And I remember the only thing that gave me any relief at all that that night is the nurses gave my wife a little styrofoam cup filled with water and uh, they also gave her this little stick that had a little sponge on the end of it and when I'd get so thirsty I just couldn't take it anymore my wife would take the stick with the sponge she'd dip it in the water and then she'd wipe my lips with it okay and this went on all night long about every 25 30 minutes I'm asking her to wipe my lips again and I'll never forget this This is probably at this point it's probably three o'clock in the morning I'm lying in that hospital bed and you know what I'm doing I'm having a pity party right all I can think about is my pain my struggles, my problems. And once again, I'm dried up. I asked my wife to wipe my lips. And I'll never forget this. My wife's wiping my lips with this sponge and it dawned on me. You know what? There was another man I read about one time. He was thirsty. He asked for a drink and they offered it to him on a sponge. See, that's in the Bible. That's Jesus. He's hanging on a cross, okay? And some of you know this story. Jesus says, I'm thirsty. The soldiers at the foot of the cross take a stick, put a sponge on it, soak it in wine vinegar. They hold it up to Jesus' lips. And the Bible says, and when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And, you know, that night in that hospital, it dawned on me, you know what? Jesus was also very familiar with pain. And just like it was no accident that I was in that hospital bed. Listen, that was part of God's plan for my life. Um, It was no accident that Jesus hung on that cross either. You see, that was also part of God's plan. That's God's plan for restoring sinful man. That's you and me back into a right relationship with a holy God. You know, the Bible's clear about the fact that, that we're all sinners, you know. Um, I've got issues, you've got issues. If, if you're here this morning and you don't think you've got issues, that means you really got issues at this point. Okay, I hate to be the one to break that to you, but hey, my wife's a counselor. She says that all the time. It's the people that don't think they got issues. Look out, those are the ones that really got the issues. But you know what? We're all sinners. But one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know why Christ came and died? For one simple reason, because he loves you, because he loves me. And, 
You know, and the Bible says in Romans 8, 38 and 39 that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, if you're here today, I want you to know God loves you. He wants to have a friendship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And you remember what my mom said, most important things in this life are not things. The most important things in life are relationships. And let me, let me say this, if you don't hear anything else I say this this morning, never forget this. The most important relationship that you are ever going to have in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when the storms of life come, and listen, it's not a matter of if they come, because trust me, they will come at some point in life. But when the storms come, it's your relationship with Christ that's going to give you the strength and the stability to weather the storm. You know, um, I've got a quote on my desk at Arrowhead, too, that says this, Peace in life does not come from finding a lake with no storms. Peace comes from having Jesus in your boat. And, you know, the, uh, the, the thing I've learned more than anything, this has taken my faith to a whole nother level because here's what I learned through this time, this challenging time, that this God that I grew up, we used to hear about his goodness and his faithfulness. I used to sing about his goodness and his faithfulness. I used to read about his goodness and his faithfulness. Guess what? It's all true. I can tell you it's all true because now I've lived it. I know he's faithful. Jesus Christ, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always has been good. He always will be good. He always has been faithful. He always will be faithful. And listen, my circumstances in this life, my feelings in this life does not change God's character, okay? God is the same no matter how I'm feeling, no matter what I might be going through. You know, God's principles and God's promises, they never fail. They are always reliable no matter how painful, no matter how, how challenging the situation might be. And I encourage you that I don't know what you may be going through right now. You know, my wife's currently going through some health issues. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I feel helpless at times because I can't do anything about it other than pray for her, love her, support her. But you know what? It's, but I do know this, that God is in the middle of this. You know what? Nothing surprises him. And um, we'll make it through this just like we make through everything else in our lives. Faith, family, and friends. Um, let me share with you uh, um, one other lesson I learned after I got heard. Like I said in the first Arizona, thank my friends from Subway for an extra napkin with my foot-long turkey sandwich yesterday because didn't know this is what I was going to use it for. But uh, you know, I t tell you another lesson I learned. I learned this in January of 2014. Like I said earlier, I'm on my way to another physical therapist appointment. I call this guy my physical terrorist. If you've been to one, you know why. But on my way to another appointment, and I'm feeling sorry for myself. I don't know if you've ever lived with pain. I still live with pain as a result of my accident, and it's no fun, okay? You don't get a vacation from it. It'll wear you out physically, emotionally. A lot of days are discouraging. Once in a while, you get days that are just flat out depressing, okay? And this is one of those days I'm driving to another appointment, having a pity party again. 
by the way, those things never work, so just save your time. And I'm listening to the radio station, this Christian radio station, this personality comes on, and he says this. He says, every morning you wake up, everybody's got something to complain about. Everybody's got something to be thankful for. He said, whichever one you choose to focus on, that is going to determine your attitude for the day. And I still remember I was sitting in my car, and I'm like, you know what? I think God just taught me a valuable lesson right there. I learned that, yeah, I guess I could sit and complain that I had seven broken ribs or I could choose to be thankful. I had 17 good ones that weren't broken yet, right? It can always be worse, you know. I realized I could complain about my collapsed left lung that still wasn't back to normal. I wasn't sure what was going on because I couldn't see it, but something wasn't right. Or I could be thankful. God gave me two lungs. My other one worked just fine. Okay, I realized I, there's all kinds of things I could complain about that day, but instead of complaining, I, 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 I decided I'm going to shoot. I told God thanks for my pain because I, I realized if I couldn't feel pain, I'd be dead or I'd be paralyzed. And then I thought about that, death, paralysis, pain. Guess what? I got the best one out of the three. You know, Mother Teresa once said this. She said, it's okay to have pain in your life. It's not okay to be one. I love that quote. You guys, that quote reminds me every day. Uh, it's okay if I've got a pain in my rear. It's not okay for me to be a pain in your rear, right? I bet you've got a few pains in your rear in life. Don't look at each other right now either. You know, I, you know, I tell people I feel best when I'm active. So you come to a Chiefs game, watch, see Casey Wolf running around down on the field. I feel a whole lot better than if I sit around. If I sit around, everything tightens up, everything hurts. Now, here's the bad thing about sleep. It's not a lot of activity. It's lying flat on your back for seven or eight hours. So, I mean, every morning I wake up with this pain again before I get up and do my little stretching routine that helps out a little bit. Most people wake up, drink a cup of coffee. Not me. I wake up, roll around on the floor trying to get my back to loosen up. But, you know, every morning I get out of bed, I realize I get to make a choice. And by the way, you get to make the same choice. But when my alarm goes off, I realize I can choose to rise and shine or I can choose to rise and whine. And you know what? I don't want to be a whiner. Whiners don't make a positive impact for Jesus Christ in this world. You know, um, whiners don't have a positive influence in the lives of others. And what's the good book say? Matthew five sixteen. let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father who is in heaven. Honestly, that's what I want my life to be about. Whether I'm in a costume or not in a costume, I hope my light's shining bright for Christ. So... I want to show one last thing before I, I sit down here. Um, one other lesson I learned, and you may know this now that we've been through COVID, uh, there's nothing good on daytime television. Did you know that? <laughs> I was losing my mind. I'm used to being an active guy. I'd go to my physical therapy appointment. I'd come back home. Spent about a week searching, trying to find anything worth watching. And I mean, there's nothing. So what do you do if you're off work for six months with nothing to do? I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a book. So I did wrote a book called Wolves Can't Fly, since I proved that wolves can't fly. Um, this book is all about my career as a tiger, a bird, a wolf, places I've been all over the world, people I've met, crazy mascot stories. I could stand here all day and tell you crazy mascot stories. I've walked five women down the aisle on their wedding day dressed in a costume, okay? I've been best man in like 10 or 12 weddings, and I didn't even know who the groom was. I was his best man. I, I stood in a wolf suit wearing a tuxedo holding a ring in my paw, and, and Last year, I got to check a new one off my list, got to be the flower girl, got drop petals coming down the aisle. And, oh, yeah. If you got the money, yeah, I got the time, right? Yeah, I tell folks. <laughs> then it tells the story about what happened to me November 23rd, 2013, all the lessons I've learned since that time. A lot of the quotes you've heard me use are in the book here. But, you know, I tell folks that 
Um, the reason I promote the book whenever I go speak at conferences and churches around the country, I don't make a dime off this book. All the money we make off book sales, we give it away to ministries and missions and charities. And I want to close. I want to show you a couple of really quick pictures of places that we help support with these book funds. This right here is an orphanage in Haiti. This is one of the greatest trips I ever took right after the doctor said, you're strong enough, you're healthy enough, you can wear a costume. Well, took this trip to Haiti, work at this orphanage, and God taught me another big lesson. You know, I was doing all the therapy and rehab. Most of my time was spent at home. Spend all your time at home. Guess what? You start to live in a small world. Live in a small world, all your problems seem huge. You go to a place like Haiti, work at an orphanage where they don't have hot water, air conditioning. You sleep under a mosquito net, under really uncomfortable bed. All of a sudden, your world gets big. You live in a big world. Got to put your own problems in perspective in a hurry. But that's one place we help support. This is a village in the Philippines that their church in the background. A lot of their kids were getting sick because they didn't have clean water. So we went over there and built a well there at the church just so they can have clean water in that village. And then a little closer to home, you may do this around here called Shop with a Cop. That's my cop outfit, by the way. But we donate money so underprivileged students can buy Christmas gifts for their families at Christmas time. And then this one here, this is a the homeless shelter in downtown Kansas City. Every year they do a thing called the toilet paper challenge because you can imagine they go through a lot of toilet paper. So I um, so I participated in this thing. I thought I'm, I've sold a lot of books. I'm just going to buy a bunch of toilet paper. So I did that. But I also teamed up with a school. I went to the principal. I said, "Have all the kids bring toilet paper, whichever." class brings in the most, I'll buy pizza. We'll have a pizza party for the class. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but kids like pizza, okay? Like it a whole lot, apparently. They went nuts. It took us three weeks from what I purchased and what the kids brought in. We ended up with over 16,500 rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah, COVID didn't start the shortage, okay? We did that in Kansas City. And, but that was so much fun. And a couple more quick ones. This is a leper colony in India. Believe it or not, leper colonies still exist. And so we spent one day just trying to love on those people, somehow be the hands and feet of Jesus in their world. And then also uh, the reason we were in India is we helped support several orphanages there too. They call them hope homes in India. Also got to have fun in India. Got to ride a camel in a wolf suit. Bet you, bet you don't get to do that in Bentonville very often, do you? And, had so much fun on the camel. I rode the elephant too while I was there. And then, and then my most recent trip, got to take a trip to Africa. This is a school in Africa. They're starting up a feeding program where they also get to hear the gospel. Uh, that we're blessed to get to be a part of that. I'll show you my favorite thing about the trip. Those students in the picture had never seen white people. And if they'd never seen a white guy, I promise they'd never seen anything that looked like this come walk through the village. That was a fascinating trip. And then two more quick ones. This is a girls' orphanage in the Dominican Republic that we helped support. And my favorite picture from the trip is that right there. As a matter of fact, I liked it so much, I wrote another book called It Matters got on a mission, living a life of influence. I use that picture as the cover shot. So I'll close with this today. Um, can I, I'll be real honest with you. I don't like writing books. Okay. I really don't. Okay. I'm a mascot. There is a whole lot of energy in this body hanging, you know, sitting behind a computer writing books is not my idea of a good time. So I, I really don't enjoy it. Can I tell you what I do enjoy? I do enjoy giving money to people and ministries and missions that are making a positive impact in this world, especially if that is in the lives of young people or people less fortunate, you know, I have folks ask me this all the time. Why does a 56-year-old guy still wear a costume for a living? I'm sure my father-in-law thinks it every day. 
Why, why is a 56-year-old man still wear a costume? You'll know the answer is that picture right there. Guys, that, that picture says it all. Guys, I want my life to make an impact in this world for Jesus Christ. Okay? I want, I want every person I meet, and I mean every person, to walk away after an encounter with me. Guess what? I want them to know they're loved. I want them to know they're special. And I want them to know that there is somebody in the world that really does care. Okay? And there's no exceptions to that. So I don't care if they're young or old. I don't care if they're black or white. I don't care what their abilities or disabilities might be. I don't care if they voted for Biden or Trump. I don't even care if they speak my language, okay? I want them to know somebody cares. You know, I meet a lot of people in my job. I meet a whole lot of people. And I know you meet some of these same folks because some of these people you work with, you go to school with, there's some people around here that they go through life and it's almost like their buckets are empty. You know what I'm talking about. They seem discouraged. They seem depressed. They wonder, my life matters. Anybody out there really care. And you know, I think that is, is too often in life, we go through life and we are passionate. I mean, we get passionate about things that don't really matter. And then we're passive about those things in life that really should matter. You want to be a difference maker. You, you want to make an impact in your home, your community, this world. Here's my challenge to you this morning. Learn to live your life for the things that matter because it's a rewarding way to live life. Okay. That's why I keep doing what I do. I love football, Super Bowl school, Hope to do it one more time so my kids don't have to fight when I die. But you know what? That's not why I keep doing this job. The reason I keep doing this job, every day I get the opportunity to hopefully go out, make this world just a little bit brighter place for others by sharing the love and the light of Christ. And um, just by the way I choose to live life, just by the way I choose to invest my coin. But I hope you know this this morning. You don't have to be a professional mascot to do that, okay? You don't have to travel to the other side of the world to do it. You can do it right where you're at, in your school, your home, your workplace. And like my grandma used to always tell us, just go out and bloom where you're planted, right? And I don't care if you're the CEO of a company or a custodian. I don't care if you're the head coach of your team or the team mascot. Each one of us every day has an opportunity to make this world a brighter place for others just by the way we choose to live life, just by the way we choose to invest our coin. So that's my challenge to you. Go out, take your coin, and be an investor, not only with your money, but more importantly, with your life. Take your coin and invest it by living every day you get. Live it for Christ. Let it start with your relationship with him and then carry over into all the other relationships in your life. Because I'll tell you what, that relationship with Christ is what has changed. It's changed my life. I could stand here all day and talk about the new creation that he has made me. See, I, I still am amazed by this, that he takes a sinner and he saves me by his amazing grace. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. All I can do is accept it. And I chose to do that my senior year of high school. And now I live not with shame and guilt and bondage, Now I live in forgiveness and freedom and abundant life that all comes from him. And when you get a small taste of that amazing grace and his goodness and his love, you know what will happen? It makes your eyes leak. Keeps me from getting a big head. But I'll tell you this, I'm a man that loves Jesus and I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for how good you are. I thank you, Lord, for a chance to come out 
I once again share my story. God, I've told you this so many times. This is not the story I signed up for. It's not the story I wanted in life. This is the one you chose to give me. God, Romans 8, 28 talks about how all things work together for good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Lord, I had such a hard time believing that promise for so long, but now I can look back on it and see that, yeah, your hand was in this all along. Despite the challenges and the pain and the suffering and all that, Lord, you're right there with me through it all, and I'm thankful for that. And Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room right now or that may be watching on TV. Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but I do know this, that you love them. That's never going to change, that you want to have a relationship with them. And Lord, you want to help them during the the good days and the not so good days. And so, God, that is my prayer for anyone out there who doesn't know you, Lord, that they would come to understand who you are and how much you love them. Lord, most importantly, I pray that they would respond, that they would give their hearts and their lives to you. And uh, Lord, that you would help them to live in the same freedom and forgiveness and abundant life that I get to enjoy now. Lord, we love you so much. I pray that as we leave here today, that you'd help us to go out, help us to be salt and light in this world, help us to be shiners and not whiners. And Lord, help us to make an impact for you wherever we go, whatever we do. Help us to shine your light and your love to others. You're an awesome God. I love you. I pray all this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, something that came to mind whenever he was sharing in the first service, I want to share the same verse with you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 says, As for me, may I never boast. May I never get a big head. May it never be about me. May I never boast about anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope what you heard in Dan today, because it's certainly what I heard, is that... Yes, he can be famous, and yes, he can wear big expensive rings, and yes, he can do crazy things, but the most important thing is his relationship with Jesus. Absolutely more important than anything else. Do you have that? Do you? Do you have that relationship with Jesus? If you don't right now, just just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, make me your child. I don't don't want to boast about anything else in this world except you, Jesus. You're the most important thing. Would you bow your head with me? Just get really really quiet inside your soul. what's, What's God saying to you? Is he calling you to be his child? He is, just say something like this. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. You rose from the grave and, and you give me life. And I want the same life that you gave Dan, that you gave Mike, that you gave other people in this room. I want that same life, Jesus. Just tell it. Father, I pray that you'd help all of us today to know you. Lord, and to really let 
the focus, the, the spending, the investing of our life be about you and not about so many other things. It pulls away from truth and, and beauty and peace and, and joy and love and relationship. Lord, help us to center our life on you. And Lord, if there's anybody struggling in that calling, wondering what that next step is, I pray that, Lord, you just give them a sense of direction right here and now. Father, speak to us in this space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.